0: Welcome to the Me Show Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, aka the Bat Triple. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Boo Tover. <laughs> <laughs> We celebrate everything black horror here As on the Michelle Mission. And tonight, to start things off, Vincent has selected for your reviewing pleasure from 2018, the Transfiguration. All right, pace yourself. You just got here. <laughs> but first, but first shout out to each and every one of you who are watching as we are streaming live from Yunk mm-hmm. Philadelphia's premier video podcast palace, right there to all of you watching on your screens on YouTube or on Facebook and who have joined us in the chat. Shout out to all the missionaries. Good evening. One and all. We do have to start the, the show off um, on a, a little bit of a somber note. Yeah. But it's more of a celebration. Yes. Um, because recently, the we were saddened to learn that the world of black cinema and cinema in general has lost one of its champions mm-hmm. in Pearl Bowser. Mm-hmm who passed away on September 14th at the very young age of 92 years old. Um, Pearl, who was a noted director, producer, historian Mm -hmm. of black cinema, um, who wrote one of the definitive books on our namesake, Oscar Micheaux. Yes, she did. Yeah, she co-wrote the the book Writing Himself Into History, Oscar Michaud, his silent films alongside uh, Louise Spencer. Um, Pearl, from a very young age, had a lifelong passion with film and, more importantly, Black film and our depictions, the depiction of the African diaspora on film, and she made it her life's work to not only have all of our works uh, properly um, preserved, but also to have them given their, their just due um, creatively and culturally throughout her life. Um, and Vincent and I were very honored uh, a couple of years ago um, when we made our way to blurred city con in New York and, mm-hmm. um, Vis-a-vis the Blurred City creator uh, and friend of the show, Clarissa Clay. What's up, Clarissa? She actually introduced us to Pearl and actually, we actually sat down and had a a really cool conversation with Pearl. Um, We were... unfortunately unable to um get a recording of the conversation but um uh, we had a a a a very nice visit with her she was a very dynamic even at that time she was a an elder woman but uh very dynamic forceful vital personality um and it is one of the one of the um cherished moments here On the Michelle mission. So we were very saddened to hear of her loss. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everything that that you said about her being a historian and and being this sort of cultural figure. And it's worth noting that when you read the story of several of the Oscar Michelle films that we've talked about a lot over the years, you know, some have been lost, Mm -hmm. some you didn't know where they were. She is in the center Mm -hmm. of more than one of the stories. Yeah. Of yes. how those films were saved, mm-hmm. so so she really was a champion. She really was a historian, and not just an Oscar Micheaux film. She is one of the the reasons why we we are able to take in Ganja and Hess, yeah, in the way that yeah. we are, yeah, absolutely. Just like you said, across the board, just a champion of the culture, and it was a real loss. And like you, it was such an honor mm-hmm. to spend some time with her. Yeah, you, you know, it really was so. She yeah. will be missed. She will definitely, definitely be missed. So we wanted to make sure that we paid our respects to her yes, and absolutely. her family. Uh and to Clarissa, who I do recognize was a very a close friend of Francisco. Yeah. Well. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh we are going to uh get this train a moving as okay. far as the show goes, ladies and gentlemen. Um here in the month of Bootberg, mm-hmm. as it were. Um, I know of your hesitancy with horror films. Yes. Vincent. Yes, absolutely. So one of the things I was thinking about, and I don't know if we've ever touched on this. Okay. But do you have to do any type of mental gymnastics before? you know, going into this month or going, sitting down to actually watch any of the films that we have to watch? Well, no. I think the 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 film that I was most hesitant about was the original Candyman. Okay. Which we, we talked about, it's been a few years now. Mm-hmm. But since then, you know, so far nothing has been Drop dead scary. Okay, that's drop dead scary. I, I I know. Um, I I was thinking. Oh, I just forgot the name of the film that just came out a few months ago. Was it Talk to Me? Yes. And that has a black lead. Mm-hmm. And I said, Oh boy, I think that might fall under our purview. Mm-hmm. And that looks really scary. <laughs> <laughs> like I took note of that. Like I took <laughs> note of that. It's like, Oh, so so you know, but you know, so far, I, I've really, really enjoyed all of the films that we've watched, and okay. none have, have have scared me. No, none of them is scared, right? You. right. So, so that's good. That's yeah. good. I, I I wondered about that, ain't I don't want to. So far, so good. Like I said, I was hesitant about Candyman, and I still find Candyman a little, little, little off putting. A Little off putting. Yes. A little shaky. But you know, I have to say. <laughs> The films tend to fall underneath the rules of the diaspora, where like anything that happens to people, well, why are you messing around with stuff you shouldn't be messing around with? That's a good point. Like, speaking of Candyman, you know always say Candyman is the blackest supernatural creature of all time. Like he is the personification of keep my name out your mouth. That's right. <laughs> and Absolutely. Like, it's all this chaos in the Candyman films. But I feel like if you pan the camera three feet to the right or to the left, mm-hmm. there are people living their lives. Because they don't mess with Candyman. <laughs> exactly. So so what else is going on, Lynn? We have emails, Vincent. Ooh, missives from the missionaries. Ooh. from Michael Sykes. Hey, Michael. Has the subject line black films where the lead role is white. Okay. Alright. Hey, Lennon Vincent, do you consider these movies, black films where the lead role is white, do you consider these movies as black films, even though the lead roles are not played by black actors, but rather have supporting characters. Such mm-hmm. examples would be 1979's Fast Break, mm-hmm. 1992's Unforgiven, Blue mm-hmm. Chips, Rocky Three, Eight Mile, White Boy Rick, uh, Madagascar, or Bringing Down the hi- House, which Mike says he personally dislikes, um, or Malibu's Most Wanted, which he dislikes even more than Diabetic Hates Having Diabetes. He is <laughs> is like is that like the app opposite of I like that the way fakir lights cake that's exact opposite yes. Okay. yes Gotcha. and i understand that cuz malibu most wanted is it's rough yeah yeah um then it goes on to something about hip hop so i want to i'm going to stop it there for now um we have covered and we've reviewed some films that do have what may people may consider a white lead. Absolutely. Um, but we still consider it as a black film. Uh, he's mentioned 1979's Fast Break. That is that the movie? That's not the one that we... No, I'm thinking of Fast Forward. Yes. That's uh, Fast Forward. Yeah, But like, um, I think there's an argument to be made whether or not Irene Cara is the lead of fame, but absolutely. we consider that a black yeah, film. Yeah, absolutely. and And something like The Landlord... Mm-hmm. Is one hundred percent a Jeff, um, Jeff, uh, Bo Bridges, Bo Bridges film, right? You know, Soul Man is, is a white guy. Is actually a white guy. So is a white guy. So you know, I, I do think a lot of it is um, case by case. Yeah, yeah, case by case, and certainly the, as as you were listing the films, I was going, okay, that one will be black. Oh, I don't know about that one. Oh, oh, that's interesting. So he listed Fast Break, which I'm confusing with something else. So I'm, right? I'm, okay. That's a that's a basketball movie, isn't it? Probably sounds like a fast. Yeah, and I forget who's in it. But the, so so skipping that one, I would say that because black people like basketball. Unforgiven. Right. I wouldn't say that was a black. I wouldn't movie say at that. all. Yeah, yeah. No, Me neither. Yeah. Which is the Clint Eastwood western. Yeah. Blue Chips, which I. Blue Chips, I would count Blue Chips. Who's in Blue Chips? That's the chips? football movie, right? Yeah, but who's in it? I mean, the, the funny thing is I'm saying it, I'd count it, but I can't remember anybody in it besides Nick Nolte. Uh, blue Chips stars, it's a basketball movie. Okay. Um, Nick Nolte and Shaq and Penny Hardaway. Yeah. I guess the big thing is that Penny Hardaway is in there. Mm-hmm. I. hmm could. Okay, man. Uh, Yeah. uh, uh, uh. You know, it's sort of like I've gone back and forth about any given Sunday. Ooh. Exactly. Exactly. I think there's an argument to be made about any given Sunday before Blue Chip. Yes. Because any given Sunday is very much more of an ensemble. Yes, and, and more than half of the ensemble is black. is black. Yeah. And and the main the main thrust of the argument of of the story is is Jamie Foxx's character. Well, I think you could make a really strong argument. It's an Al Pacino movie. Uh, now now you see my dilemma. Okay. Okay. I would take that before blue chips though. So would I. I would take that be- what about Eight Mile? No, because Eight Mile is just it's, Rocky. It's, it really, it's just Rocky. Yeah, it's it, it's it yeah. is, it, it is uh, and that's the same thing about Rocky Three, where he throws in Carl Weathers in because of Carl Weathers right. a team. But that's not a black film, right? It's not a black film. Um, bringing down the house. I thought Queen Latif was the co-lead. of yeah, that. Yeah, I think she's the co-lead in that. Yeah. I think I, I think you'd you'd have to go with that. And Malibu's most wanted it's all about bigging up that knucklehead whose name I don't even want to, to remember. So no, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, don't, I don't think about him. All right, so I'm going to continue on um, Michael's email. Okay. I recently list, recently listened to Little Richard's albums from the 70s. Yes. And found that his 1970 album, The Real Thing, stood out as the best. Okay. One of the songs from the album, also titled The Real Thing, has been widely sampled by such artists as Pete Rock and CL Smooth for the song Pete, For Pete's Sake, as well as featured as the theme song for Mario Van Peebles' film Panther. The song, called Freedom, is performed by a variety of female rappers and singers, including Mary J. Blige, Queen Latifah, TLC, Aaliyah, Light, and more. Mm-hmm. I hope I didn't scare your last week's guests uh, with the Monkey Hustle review, even <laughs> even though it is a bad film. You guys are doing such a great job. Keep up the good work, Thank Michael you. Sykes. Thank you. Thank you. Mike. I remember was was Freedom... Before or after, you will know from Jason's lyric. I think like whichever one was first. The second one I always thought was a response to that one. Well, I think like we're gonna have all the men, and then okay, well now we're gonna have all the women. I think, and I like both of those songs. Well, I think Panther is after, Jason's after Lyric. After Jason's lyric, I want to say that that's after Jason's lyric. Jason's lyric is what nineteen. Ninety six or something like that. Uh Panther movie. Nineteen ninety five is Panther. Okay. So yeah, maybe yeah, it might be right around the same time. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Mm-hmm. All right. I feel like Panther had a pretty good soundtrack too. Really? I think so. I don't I barely remember that movie. Yeah, me too. Um, that's a movie I'm surprised hasn't come up. Yeah, sooner on our. Um, Panther is 100 percent a movie that I would think of, and then think of something that I want to review before that. Well, the the, the soundtrack only had really the two out the two singles, Freedom, and then the points. Mm. So I don't I don't know how, but you know you know directed by your faith, Mario Van Peebles. Yeah. I know how much you love the directorial stylings. Of the people's family, so I'm I'm surprised you haven't chosen it. So, well, May's coming. <laughs> oh, that's not. Uh, it's not. Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I I don't think yeah. it would make it. It's, it's definitely not a. May. It's not a May movie. Yeah. It's not a May movie. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that to it. All right. Okay. Okay. That is our emails, ladies and All gentlemen. All right. Thank you, Michael. Black Star signature podcast, Many Lumens, hosted by me, Maori Carmel Holmes, is back with all new episodes featuring groundbreaking artists, change makers, and cultural workers. Join us as we find meaning in the intersections of art, social change, and popular culture. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast or at manylumens.com. Top five. Who's your top five? And ladies and gentlemen, where I give Vincent a list, five. and he gives us all his brilliant commentary. Oh yeah, absolutely. And tonight, in, edge, edge of our seats, all of. In keeping in theme mm-hmm. for Boo Tober, mm-hmm. and the film, The Transfiguration, mm-hmm. speaks of a young black boy who may or may not be a vampire? Yes, perhaps. Vincent, I present to you. Okay. 5. Mhm. Black vampires right. hiding in our mist. 5 black vampires that walk among us. That walk among us. Okay. Starting with number 5. Okay. And this one we have talked about on the Show mission. Yes. And it it's mm-hmm. none other than Romani Malco. Romani Malco. The actor Romani Malco. Yes. Who has is now at the age of 52 years old. Yes. Somewhere he is being cast as a 15 year old. Yes, he is. The man never ages. Yes. Has never, ever yes. aged. Among Black Knot Cracking, everyone looks at him and goes, damn, what is your moisture regimen? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. He is a vampire in our midst. Absolutely. Would you not agree? Absolutely. Okay. 100%. Number four. Number four. This is another vampire in our midst. And this is one who I think sneaks under the radar. Oh. Because he's kind of slyly moved out of the limelight. Okay. But he is in fact a vampire. And that would be? Malcolm Jamal Warner. Malcolm Jamal Warner. See, I kind of disagree with Malcolm Jamal Warner. Why? Because as opposed to Romani Malco, Mm -hmm. who looks exactly the same. Yes. Yes. I think Malcolm Jamal Warner has actually grown into like a much more handsome man Mm -hmm. than he was like 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So like he's changing, but like for the better. See, here's the thing. Here's what you don't know about vampires. Okay. Vampires, the reason why they're able to mix in company mm-hmm. into the world, even though they are so long lived, mm-hmm. is that they regenerate themselves. They regenerate over time. Okay. We are just in the midst of his latest regeneration. It's like a Doctor Who thing going on. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. All right. Exactly. I'll take that. Exactly. Big fan. I, big fan. Because you like vampires. Because I like vampires. But, you know, also, like, you know, obviously we all have a soft spot for Theo and, you know. I have a soft spot for him, yeah, too. right, right. And he t- he's actually quietly kept working. Like, no, you talk about working. him not being an alum. But you, did you ever watch Jericho? No, but I heard he was very good in that. He was very good I heard in he that. he was very good in, in that. a show that I feel like is sort of like those Stargate shows mm-hmm. where, like, he was on for, like, a million years. But you didn't know you anyone didn't know who it. watched it. Yeah. But like you know, like three people who go like, "Oh yeah, I kind of like that," and that's me with Jericho. and Malcolm Jamal Warner's career. Malcolm Jamal Warner's career. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think he's done some directing as well. Yeah. But no. Yeah. He, but he. The, but yes, he has. Absolutely. Changed a little yeah. bit. But he's, he, he, the man, don't. Eat. Hey man, I think he. I'm. I'm. I'm pretty sure. He stopped. Look, I think the brother moved to Atlanta. He mind his business. Drink his water. Is it water? Them Cosby residuals ain't like they used to be five years ago. But, you know, he had a good 30-year run of Cosby show residuals. Mm. It's not a bad life. Okay. So. Next vampire. Next vampire. This is another vampire that you would think Has changed Mm -hmm. because they've been around so long. Yes. But when you really look at the history. Okay. This person has never changed. Okay. And that would be. Was born this way. Okay. Angela Bassett. She's another one. She's another one. Like, I think the only thing badder than 30-year-old Angela Bassett is 60-year-old Angela Bassett. But. 30-year-old Angela Bassett looks exactly the same as 60-year-old Angela I'm, Bassett. I, I, I'm I what I disagree if 60-year-old Angela Bassett walked out tomorrow looking like 30-year-old Angela Bassett, I would say is everything okay. No, I'm I I disagree. That woman looks exactly like exact- maybe her and Courtney Vance, they must have had an argument or something. Because she looked like she looked when she was 30. Have you noticed that Courtney Vance looks much older (laughs) since he's married to Angela Bassett? Do you think Angela Bassett is stealing his looks and his youth and his vigor? Not his his looks. Just his His, vigor? His youth and his vigor. Just his vigor? Yes. Well, look. Yes. Well, God bless that man because he's doing the Lord's work. God bless it? Yes. She has not changed Vincent. I don't well, care what you, you say. Uh, 30, years, 30 years ago, she was in What's Sh- Love Got to Do you with It. With she Hermione. looks the exact same you version. Shouldn't start with Romani Malco, because like you said, he is actually the same person. But then you got two people. It's it's sort of like the best man cast. Like the arg- you're making the best man cast argument, but like we said when we talked about the best man, like Tay Diggs and Morris Chestnut actually look better. At fifty, than they did when they were twenty five. Okay, Yeah. So they, is that but they look a totally different? So is that a right? So is that a vampire? No, they're not vampires. Or is that they're just reaching their final form? They're not vampires. They're not. Okay. They're not on my list. Yes. Yes. Stop jumping ahead. All right. All right. Go ahead. Number two. Number two. Another. This is another one. All right. Following in the Malcolm Jamal Warner. Uh, 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 phase okay, is that we are just at his latest iteration. Yes. But what people don't know is that he has been in this iteration since the 1700s. Okay, and that would be? Delroy Lindo. (laughs) Yes. You're 100% right. But Delroy Lindo is like Morgan Freeman where he was turned into a vampire when he was 52 years old. That's very true. That could be true too. That could be true. Like, too. do you get the sense Delroy Lindo was never young? No, I, and exactly. I'm saying 52. He like 67. He been 67 years old for 40 years. It, no, it's been for 400 years. It's yes. from the 17th. Right. There, there is photographic right. proof. This man, right? Like, I, I, I'm telling you, he's been around. He's been around. I'm just saying, he didn't get turned when he was 20, though. No, he didn't. Right. He, he, he did not. Like, you look at him at West, as West Indian Archie 30 years ago, and he was 67 years old. And now he's, he's 67, 67 years, years old. old. It's like the old footage of Morgan Freeman on Electric Company, where he was a, where he was easy reader, and he was a young, hip, easy reader, and he looked like he was 70 years old. Yeah, like that old. But yeah, he, he, he looked old. He looked pretty old. He looked old. He right. looked like a man that was like, you he know. looked like... Exactly how it looks this like. is what I'm going to be doing. This is just how I'm a, like. This <laughs> me, <laughs> right. This is how I pay the bills. All right, And it's paying the bills. All right, Delroy Lindo. Now we're at the number one. Number one. This one hurts my heart, Vincent. Okay. This one really does hurt my heart. Okay. This one cuts. It cuts close. Okay. But I looked through all the data. Mm-hmm. And you know, math don't lie. Math don't lie. When it's done correctly, math doesn't. It's lose. true. Two plus two is always four. And and two plus two means that the number one vampire Mm -hmm. hiding in our myth Mm -hmm. is Nia Long. Who else would you have chosen? She's a vampire, Vincent. Yeah? She is not. You know what I'm going to say? You're going to say that she looks better. I look. Look. I like 50-year-old Nia Long. No, but here, but again- Here's the reason why. Mm -hmm. What is the most, outside of my deep affection and adoration and Mm -hmm. unabiding love for Nia Long, Mm -hmm. what is the other most famous thing about Nia Long? Is that she cannot, she has trouble with holding on to in a relationship. Yes. I think it is because. She's a vampire. She's a succubus. She's a succubus. A vampire. She's <laughs> a vampire succubus. She is sucking these guys dry. Is sucking them. but I don't care because they're all bums. Because they're all bums. Suck them dry by definition. Leave them as dry husk. Dry husk in your in your wake. Man. Yeah, do that. I Feel like we're on real shaky ground with this part of conversation. What? Okay, yeah, but I, I'm telling you, I, right. that's what I think. All right. You know what the attorney said about? <laughs> I'm not going anywhere near her. Okay. All right. I'm just saying. Right. but don't lie I know it's amazing how broad the definition of terroristic threats is (laughs) easy (laughs) we don't want no trouble okay okay that's 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 the, the top five that's the top five all right Black vampires, black vampires hiding in our midst. Hiding in our midst. I'm, I'm looking at the chat. I see Farrell Blackwell's wonder whether or not Grace Jones would make the list. Um, I mean, Grace is pretty ageless. That's a good one. Yeah, she's pretty ageless. That's a good one. I di- I didn't look up her her stats. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Grace Jones. Is I thought a good maybe one. you were going to mention Bianca Lawson, who we've seen most recently on uh, um. I just forget my show. I don't know. Ava DuVernay show. Oh, um uh, Queen Sugar. Queen Sugar. She's a good one. She's a good one. And she literally has been playing teenagers for 20 years. Well, you know who almost made the list? Who? And I just couldn't do it because I just I just couldn't do it. Um, Stacy Dash. Stacy Dash, another one. Stacey Dash, even though, you know, again, I, I, she, like, I was looking at Stacey Dash in the past year and it's sort of like the Nia Long thing. It's like, you are actually better now than you, like, you know, like I look at old, like I look at her and like clueless. Mm-hmm. Like I look at Nia Long, especially Nia Long in something like Friday. Mm-hmm. And they actually look like young. Well, like, like they look like girls. Well, yeah, okay. But it's like, God damn, you fun. See, but but that's because they would. That's they, they toned down. They dressed right, it down. Right, You know, the vampires they know how they know they what to do. They know what to do. Yeah, they know Hi, what to vampires. do, man. Especially the succubus. So this, the, the, succubi, the succubus. The succubus. The succubus. The succubus know what to yeah, do. The succubus This is. Yeah, I know. It's a lot of s's. <laughs> yeah, I like that s. Oh, hey, easy. What? So the top five. That's the top five. That's the top five. Trout Blackwell also suggesting Janet Jackson. No, Janet Jackson is not a vampire because vampires don't need surgery. Okay. Okay. All right. Flag. Uh, look. What? We're not supposed to talk about that. Kind of he brought it up. Will you move on? I'm just answering. Uh, uh, uh. God, now you had to have the Janet Jackson people. And it's Jed. Jed. And that was the top five. <laughs> Let's keep this train moving. What's next on the docket, Lynn? Bad Black Cocks. No. Um, <laughs> See. <laughs> next, it's time for Six Degrees of Durville Martin. Six Degrees of Derville Martin. Yes. That's the key. Yes, it's time for the game of kings, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, six degrees of Derville Martin, where I give Vincent uh, two actors, and he has six films or less to connect them to another than that other black vampire, the original black vampire, Derville Martin. It was between him and William Marshall to play Blackula. And That's one hundred percent untrue, and yet it could be. <laughs> Number one, Vincent. Number one. And six films are less. Six films are... Is this themed? No. (laughs) (laughs) Like I thought you were going to say William Marshall or Aaliyah or Wesley Snipes or Grace Jones or Eddie Murphy. Like I was waiting for a black vampire. But I guess not. No. It was... Two names that I pulled <laughs> no connection to the film no. whatsoever. No, they're you black. Just, they just, I'll give you that. They're you black. Pull two black people out. Two two just, just pull two black people out. Yeah. All right. Well, who's the first black? The, the vampire research took took a long time. Sure. Sure. So, who's the first black? You know, arguing between Stacey Dash. So, right, right, right. Number one. No. This person, not a vampire. (laughs) Sticky Fingers from the short-lived Blade television show. Or was that Fredo's star? Was that Sticky Fingers or Fredo's star that played Blade on the television show? I think that was Sticky. I think that was Sticky 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 Fingers. Right, Sticky Fingers. Yeah, because Fredo, he was on... Fredo was was on on Moesha. Moesha. Yeah. Right. Okay. This person was not a vampire or on Moesha. Or Oh or a rapper. Or a rapper. How would you feel about Onyx? Eh, they had their moment. I did not like Onyx. And eh, they had their moment. I didn't like all eh. You know, slam. Do, do, do. Oh my god, I hated that song so much. What I didn't like about them, this had, and this was not their fault. Mm-hmm. Was that. They hit so hard because whether or not you liked them or not, it was it, they they hit hard and it was a big hit. Well, that was the plan, which is part of the reason I didn't like them. And it, it hit so hard that my beloved Run DMC then tried to cop their style. Yes, and I was like, oh, guys, yeah, this is just not, yeah, don't do it. It just always felt like Russell Simmons sat in a room and said, "How can we make something that'll appeal?" to white teenage boys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was just so blatant, blatant with it. It was so blatant. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um Ironically, I really like both of them as actors though. I mean, okay, I haven't yeah. seen the They had, of them I thought they had it. presence. Go ahead, tell me who's the first black that has nothing to do with vampires? No, I don't mind this vamping. I know. Uh, ah, I see what you did there. Ah! <laughs> All right. Who's black number one? Adorable. Um, in six movies or less, connect Durville Martin to. Durville Martin 2. Garrett Morris. Garrett Morris. I am the ant man. I have the <laughs> powers of Deant. ant. Yes. Well. That is a Saturday Night Live sketch that is worth looking up on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, frankly, I could take the easy route and just go to Ant-Man. Remember, he has a cameo in the first Ant-Man. That's, oh, I forgot all about that's that. That's connected to that. But I won't do that. Instead, I will say that Durville Martin is in Dolomite with Rudy Ray Moore, who is in penitentiary two with um how I just forget his name from Cooley High He's in Queen Sugar he's a dad in Queen Sugar uh oh um Lawrence. No not Lawrence. no 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 because he's not in Queen Sugar it's um who Oh, I'm looking right at him. He's going through a real renaissance now, too. Oh, man. Uh, Colonel Taylor on Different World. Glenn Turman. Glenn Turman. Glenn Turman. He's in Punisher 2 with Glenn Turman. And then Glenn Turman is, of course, in Cooley High with Garrett Morgan. Morrison. Okay. Very good. Mm-hmm. Very good, Vincent. All right. Now, in six films or less, connect Derville Martin to... Black Number 2. Felicia Rashad, Felicia Rashad in movies. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. But this is how you get to Felicia Rashad in the movies. Okay. Durville Martin is in. How do I want to get? Okay, I'm gonna go to get. I'm going go. <laughs> Boy, any any opportunity I get to use penitentiary. Two twice is a good day. Durville Martin (laughs) is in Dolomite with Rudy Ray Moore. Rudy Ray Moore is in Penitentiary Two with Mr. T. Mr. T is in Rocky Three with Sylvester Stallone, who is in Creed with Felicia Rashad. Very good. Very good, Vincent. Well done. Well, yeah, I'll well. tell you, you got to use Penitentiary 2 twice. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew that would be useful? Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? All roads lead to Derville Martin and Penitentiary And Penitentiary 2. All right. So that is six degrees of Derville Martin, ladies and gentlemen. Those are two blacks that have nothing to do with vampires. <laughs> How did you pick those two? How random. Very, very random. It's very random. I just, I, I have actually absolutely no idea. <laughs> well, no, Felicia Rashad was actually, I was reviewing her stats mm-hmm. to see if she was a vampire, but she is not a vampire. Right, right, right. Um, so that's how I landed on her. And I don't know how I got the Garrett Morris. What else is Felicia Rashad in besides the Creed movies? Uh, she was in, she's a voice in Soul. Okay, that's right. That's right. Um, she is also in um, a film, and it's a Netflix film that, that we both enjoyed, Jingle Jangle. She sure is in Jingle Jangle. Mm hmm. Oh, I love Jingle Jangle. It's coming up one time to watch Jingle Jangle, too. And she was um, in Just Right. What is she put? Does she play Common's mother? I believe so. Interesting. Nothing oh, from no. the, is she Common's mom or is she? Uh, Queen Latifah's character's mom? Yeah, she's Common's mom. She's Common's yeah, mom. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Nothing pre-Cosby show. Uh, not, well, only one small movie, the broad Collect. Coalition. Yeah. The small movie. I was asking because... um, Oh, you know what she was in that we reviewed? What? That Billy D. Williams thing you made me watch, The Visit. She sure is in The Visit. So you get to her in The Visit. I forgot she was in The Visit. Mm Mm-hmm. I was... um, She was in Good Deeds. Okay. Yes, she's in a Tyler Perry movie. I mean... Woman gotta eat, or, or she just likes Tyler Perry. Yeah, I think it's more. Like she might be. look again. I don't know how much Tyler Perry is paying people, and they paying some bills. I think people support Tyler Perry. Okay, uh, but I was watching clips from Love Boat because, of course, I was. And um, <laughs> you got on me about watching the practice, you sit there. <laughs> sitting there on a clips of Love Boat. Right, because I was looking at a (laughs) montage of all the women that Isaac dated over the years. Oh, when they would bring a black celebrity into the show. And by black celebrity, just so you know. Yeah. Because he dated both Felicia Rashad and Debbie Allen. Felicia Rashad was on Love Boat? Yes. I didn't think, like... And I think it's... That had to be before Cosby. It's like a year or two before Cosby. But like she's like she clearly is Claire Huxnable. Okay, but here's the thing. That's why I asked was she maybe in a movie before the Cosby show. Yeah, but because like, before the Cosby show That's what I'm Felicia saying. Rashad, it was not a name. No, she was just fun. So she must like I, like I heard you say celebrity, but sometimes they would just have a working actress on. Yeah, she definitely was just a working. Right, she, right. She just Debbie gone. would have been a celebrity. I mean, I guess because well, depending, because the Love Boat goes into the eighties. I don't, I don't and by know, the eighties by then fame is. I fame. don't know where it fell before or after fame, but you know the Love Boat. Like I hear you saying celebrity on the Love Boat, but if your ass was on the Love Boat, things. We're not unfolding well for your career. That's not always necessarily like, the case. It that is one of because because you could have been a younger person like Debbie X, Allen. Well that's come up. that's my point. And, but if I'm saying Debbie Allen was more was still a name n- at that time. N- um, no, not before fame. But I'm thinking I'm thinking that I think I think love boat and fame kind of like cross each other And I'm line. saying once she was on fame, she was not gonna be on a love boat. Cause I'm on fame. Why am I on a love boat? Like I'm an actual celebrity. Because I'll tell you why. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why she might have been on fame on on Love Boat. I'm not saying this is the reason. This can't be the reason because it was a million people on Love Boat that are going to contradict what you're about to say. She might have just been on there because at the time you you're on a cruise, you taking a cruise. Do you really think they were on a cruise a, on a Love on Boat? On certain episodes they were they actually, actually on They actually they actually went out. Yes. There's absolutely no way she was on Love Boat after Fame Let's or see. during Fame. Let's see. Now Let's i want to look at it. Right. Up. Debbie Allen love boat debbie allen love boat love boat okay all right debbie allen love boat love boat what year give it a moment hmm debbie allen yes is on the episode love me love my dog yes uh slash poor little rich girl and the decision so these are all the plots in that episode. yes absolutely that episode. what year was this episode This was 1977. Yes. And what year did the television show fame come on? That's not important to this conversation. That is, there's actually nothing more important to this conversation than this fact. I'm pretty sure it wasn't 1977. It was, I believe it was after 1977. Nobody was on the love boat in the height of their career. I'm pretty sure Like, I missed the episode that Al Pacino was on. Pretty sure it was after 1970. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Right. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. So, so she was on the come up. She was on the on the come up. Fame, or you know, the, ran 1982 to 1987. Right. The sort of sunset of your career, or you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was part of the magic, though. That was part of the magic of Love Boat. So who who else did he date? Oh my goodness, I'm. I'm almost positive Jane Kennedy shows up. I can believe it. Now yeah. Jane Kennedy might have been cresting. Okay. Jane 70, in the seventies, she might have been cresting yeah. at that point. Yeah. Right. I mean, because they were looking for what, things for her to what, what do. What was the height of Jane Kennedy? Though, like, what was the apex of Jane Kennedy's acting career? Penitentiary,
1: right? Or, or no, I mean, penitentiary. no, um, um what was pro- it
0: probably? Um, what was that movie the other boxing movie? Blood blood it was something in sugar or something junk like that. What's the name of that movie that she blood and Guts that she and Leon made and then they were both in Playboy? I can't believe I'm here. What was the name of that movie? Um I can't whatever. That that was probably Body and Soul. Body and Soul, that's right. Body and Soul was I, I bet this, this was before Body and Soul. Yes. Yeah. But it was like Jane Kennedy. Um who else was in that montage? That would have been really interesting. Lola Falana, did he date Lola Falana? Maybe. Like it was like like it, it was like per, right right person after it was like oh okay Isaac and I can see Lola Falana right up, right but like he he Diane Carroll didn't no not Diane no I don't think pretty sure Diane Carroll yeah, wasn't it, on there she, yeah, no. you know we were just talking about Roseanne Caton a few weeks ago I think mm-hmm. she may have showed up Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Like, it was some bangers. I'm sure. Like, it was bangers. It was like, oh, Ted Lang is doing his thing. I'm sure. But, you know, as far as they were famous, I don't know how famous they were. They were just real fun. Okay. But I remember Debbie Allen and Felicia Rashad. That's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Oh, yeah. Somebody actually said, yeah, Bernadette Stannis. Bernadette? Oh, yeah. Thelma showed up. Yeah. Yeah. Thelma showed up. You know what I was thinking about? That was a. That's a good looking. That's a good looking. Remember Harpo? Harpo? I think it was Harpo. Remember JJ had friends. Remember JJ had the friends, and it was like TK Carter was one of them, and he had his boys, and then it was the one boy that was always hollering at Thelma. Dude, you remember? I don't know if that was Papo. because remember they were the awesome foursome until we are dead. No, you remember? Dude, he was like. Thelma, Thelma, Thelma. No. And like he would spit his little game. No. I loved him because he was the only one on the show that I felt really acknowledged. How fun. Just was. how fun Thelma was. Like I felt like I was I had taken crazy pills. Like I was like Mobutu. I had taken crazy pills. Like no one on the show ever really acknowledged. Would ever acknowledge just how fun Thelma was. Thelma was fine. Except for JJ's dude. And I always loved, he was like my spirit animal. Because every time he was there, he Thelma, 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 when you gonna give me a chance to take, and I was like spit your game. Because that's what you're supposed to do. Because that's Thelma. I was thinking about him a few weeks ago. How I love that dude. But you weren't thinking about Thelma. You were thinking about no, him. no, 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 no! I was thinking about Thelma, but again, it 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 actually did. Think about him, it kind of stressed. Not Thelma. It stressed me out a little bit as like a thirteen year old that like nobody would acknowledge. Not thinking about Thelma. What was going on with Thelma? Or like you know about Thelma, Thelma, which is what we want. No, 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 about- no. Or you know like the mirror, mirror episode of Star Trek. Like I didn't understand why everything didn't stop. When your horror comes out Like your are like, right yeah. And yeah It's like, is this are Y'all not seeing what I'm seeing I Is that think. her stomach out? Like everyone, you, you know, it's like you you learn about the Mirror Mirror episode. Like, you know, you're a Star Trek These Trekker, are man moments, ladies and, they talk and gentlemen. About, We're you having know, Mara man Mara moments. Mara, and you know, it's one of the famous Star Trek episodes. And what do everybody talk about? What does everybody talk about with the Mirror Mirror episode? Evil Spock with the goatee. Like everyone talk, you, Evil Spock with the goatee. And it's like, am I the only one that sees you? Maybe I'm crazy. Do I have x-ray vision? Maybe I have superpowers. Certainly, if everyone was seeing this, we wouldn't be spending so much time talking about Spock and his goatee. I'm curious. It just and All to right. be equal opportunity, you can put it in the chat or you can email us at michomission at gmail dot com, ladies and gentlemen, for our 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 lady missionaries. Was there <laughs> was there a an equally draw dropping moment for you in black TV or cinema history, where you said, "I know is nobody not seeing this." Uh, the the one that comes out to my mind is um the oh I can't what's the what's the uh, Idris Elba movie where he's terrorizing Taraji P Henson in the house. I've never seen that. Oh, uh, I know what you're talking about. The, there's a scene in there where. Idris Elba is completely silhouetted and is drying himself off. And everybody in the theater swears they can see his penis like he's completely silhouetted. Vincent, you have never seen so many women bringing out their flashlights to look at a movie screen thinking that you can see the man's penis. You cannot see his penis. But it it, it made every woman in the theater stop in their tracks. And I'm wondering, just to be fair, is there is there. Like moments for all of the missionaries. We just saw, speaking of vampires, we saw Blair Underwood in um a soldier's play. Maybe two years ago. So I think it was before the pandemic. But there's a part in soldier's play where Blair Underwood, because he plays um, Colonel. Um, Jessup. Colonel Davenport. Davenport, okay. Davenport, and and, you know, if you remember Soldier's Play. Which is based on the movie. Right, the Soldier's Story is based on. It is set during segregation, basically. So he's in the barracks by himself. Mm -hmm. And at one point in the barracks by himself, he changes his shirt and takes his shirt off. Lynn, I thought they were going to have to stop the play. (laughs) (laughs) Like Blair Underwood took his shirt off. Another one who I think Blair Underwood is ninety-seven years old. You know he he yeah. You're right. He took his shirt off, and the whole theater was like, <gasps> and I was like, they're gonna have to stop the play. He gonna have to put his shirt back on so we can see the rest of the play. Now here's the thing. How did Wendy react? Respectfully. Ah, very good. So there you go. That's good. Alright. What were we talking about? It's time for us to get into our review of the Transfiguration. We'll be back with the film review as soon as we do something funky and have steps in it. Uh-huh. Have you been hurting any animals? Maybe thinking, but I don't do it. Not anymore. Wow, you're really into... Um, vampires. I was gonna say scary movies. So you heard, huh? Huh. Someone killed a white boy in the basement. So what are vampires like? I think it starts with drinking blood. Like you have a need to. Eventually, that's not good enough, so you switch to animals and people. So you really like him? Yeah, I do. Whatever it is you're doing, there's someone doing a whole lot worse. Why are you avoiding me? The Transfiguration. When troubled teen Milo has a fascination with vampire lore meets the equally alienated Sophie, the two form a bond that begins to blur Milo's fantasy into reality. This 2016 independent Film written and directed by Michael O'Shea, stars Eric Ruffin in the lead role of Milo and Chloe Levine as Sophie in Vincent's selection for today's inaugural review in our twenty twenty three over Vincent, what say you of the transfiguration? Well, this this is in many ways the type of quiet film that I'm drawn to a lot. Okay, you, you know I, I always talk about these films that are genre films on the surface. But they're really character studies in disguise. And, you know, just an example of films that we've talked about on here, I think about the film um, Z for Zachariah mm-hmm. or, or Brother John, you know, from the 70s. These very sort of quiet films that are connected to genre, but, but the films are much more interested in something introspective. And, and as you mentioned, this character Milo played by Eric Ruffin, this young actor, Eric Ruffin is a young man who is very disturbed, very disturbed young man. We, we find out as the film goes on that he has gone through a great deal of trauma. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately he has not responded to this trauma in a healthy manner. Like, like he's a definition of of a troubled person that you hear people talk about where, where apparently before the film starts, he has in the past harmed animals. And they talk about people who have ideas about harming animals, and then they harm animals, and then it escalates mm-hmm. from there. And and in a lot of ways, the film is telling us that this is his response to the trauma that he's seen where he fashions himself a vampire and he's trying to come up with these rules for how to be a vampire. And, and, you know, there, you know, he engages in violent acts and he keeps a a schedule of violent acts. And as he tells the other main character in the film, um, Sophie played by uh, Chloe Levine, he doesn't necessarily believe in, the quote unquote rules that you learn about vampires from mythology or from pop culture. He thinks that there are some rules that he's sort of coming to intuitively. Yes. Speaking of Sophie, Sophie is a young girl, a a, a young white girl who also appears to have gone through some troubling situations. Mm -hmm. You you know, when we meet her, she tells us that she's living with her grandfather because of some tragedy that has happened in her life. And these two alienated people come together and kind of go through this film. And again, it's quiet. It's introspective. 90% of the film is is falls on the shoulders of these two actors. Mm -hmm. And of the 90% of the film that falls on the shoulders of these two actors, 40 to 50% of it is just on the shoulders of Eric Eric Ruffin as Milo, where we just follow him through the film. And again, if you would have described this film to me, I would have said, oh yeah, this sounds like like this is right up my alley. You, you know, where, where it's it's not so much a horror film or or something that, you know, utilizes this vampire imagery and the, you know, the trope and the and and the language of the vampire to really comment on something else. Mm-hmm. But it's really about these human issues. But as much as I was pulling for this film, and I was, the transfiguration just did not land Mm. for me. And it didn't land for a lot of reasons. And and I think the primary reason, unfortunately, is as much as I'm pulling for Eric Ruffin, and, 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 you know, he's a young actor, I think when you have a film like this, the, you know, this very small film, this mm-hmm. very intimate film, you have to have this central actor that can carry you through the film. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in the case of Brother John, you have Sidney Poitier, mm-hmm. who, you know, by the time Brother John comes out, he is this seasoned actor. Mm-hmm. The case of Z for Zachariah, you have, you know, these three stellar performances, you know, you, you, have, Chia, um, Etiphor, you have um Etofor, you have Maggie uh, Margot Robbie, Margot Robbie, and you have Chris Pine in, mm-hmm. in a role, you know, speaking of Star Trek, where you and I have have went back and forth for years about whether Chris Pine was a good actor in Star Trek. And like I said, this is what you should have showed me. Mm. at the beginning of the argument and Eric Ruffin nor Chloe Levine really have the weight to hold this down. And it is a thin line between introspection and meander. Yeah. And unfortunately so much of this film, I think meanders, mainly because of their performances. The other issue I had with this film is, is and, and you know, for, for most of this is uh, written and directed by uh, Michael O'Shea, mm-hmm. who is a first time screenwriter, early screenwriter. And pardon the pun, it could have been sharper. Yeah. Like like I think I think it's hard to make a vampire movie now. Like like I think I, I think of all of, of the, the the sort of supernatural images and figures, you know, whether we're talking about you know zombies or or you know Frankenstein's monster or werewolves, like there's so much baggage Mm -hmm. that comes with vampires and, and how we've used vampires again to comment on other things, Mm -hmm. you know, going back to Dracula, Mm -hmm. you, you know, it's like, yeah, it's vampires, but we're really using this image of the vampire to talk about something else. Right. And he never really makes that connection in this film, that we are using this image of the vampire to talk about something else. There and are allusions to it. Allusions like. to it. But it, even the allusions to it, it never connects to yeah. a bigger yeah. issue yeah. or yeah. a bigger thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was such a disappointment because for me, the best scene in the entire film is the first scene. Where the film opens in a public bathroom at, you know, at a train station, I think. And and there's a man in at a urinal and he hears this loud sucking, Mm -hmm. you know, these loud kind of mouthy sucking noises. He looks under a stall and sees two pair of shoes, one facing the other. And from the look on his face and the fact that this is a film, you know, set In 2016, 2017, you can infer that he thinks that this is illicit, perhaps anonymous, gay sex happening Mm -hmm. in the bathroom. Yes. And then when when the camera pans in, come to find out Milo has apparently murdered a man Mm -hmm. and is is sucking Sucking his his blood. blood. So for me, I said, Oh, so we're going to use the image of the vampire and the way that it's often been used that the vampire is, is, is a metaphor of transgressive sexuality. And we are going to talk about anonymous sex and, and, and homophobia and all this stuff. And then when you see Milo, he's a, he's a small guy. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, Oh, well, maybe we're going to talk about pedophilia too. And, and how that is forbidden and all of this. And, and then it goes nowhere with that. Like there's none of that at all. It's just him kind of victimizing and doing this, that, and the other. And then, you know, I have to say, I kind of wrote in my notes and underlined it. I said, this is just what Len talks about. (laughs) For our newer missionaries, one of the first reviews we did we we reviewed um the last dragon and Lynn had a critique that has always stayed with me there's a moment in the last dragon where vanity's character is trying to seduce Bruce leroy who's very naive and but you know he's obsessed with you know martial arts and Bruce Lee in particular and and vanity has a montage of Footage from Bruce Lee films, and you know it's like Enter the Dragon, and you know the Chinese connection, and this, that, and the other, and 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 Bruce Leroy does the moves with Bruce Lee, and then the montage ends with Bruce Lee kissing a woman, which then that's you know his 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 signal to kiss vanity. But Lin said, "You cannot have a mediocre film." <laughs> And discuss or show footage from or name check better films. And there is so much in this film because again Milo is obsessed with vampire, with vampire movies. movies. And there's a moment he's got VH tapes up and it's the Lost Boys and Fright Night and I'm like and, and Lost Boys and Fright Night do what you, you know, I'm talking about like Fright Night is like this beautiful 80s movie about, you, you know, sort of the fear of blended families. And what if that dude that your mom is dating is actually a monster? <laughs> you know, Lost Boys is like this sort of baby boomer fear of teenagers and, you know, these all these super cool guys. Mm-hmm. But what if those super cool guys are actually monsters? And then at one point. I said, oh, Transfiguration, you're doing too much right now. Like, he name checks my two absolutely favorite vampire movies of all time. I'm like, you really don't need to be talking about Let the Right One In. I know. Or Near Dark. I know. Like, y'all really need to keep those names out your mouth right now. Explaining why they're good movies. Right. (laughs) I'm like, ooh, don't. Don't threaten me with a good Tom, because I'll turn this off right now and put on Let the Right One In. So that by the end, I, I think the film meant well, but it just didn't it land. Just doesn't, with it me. doesn't land. Yeah. And you're right, because the the premise of it is smart. It is it, because it, it's a vampire movie that's not a vampire movie. Right It's all about this boy believing or that he's a vampire as a way for him to try to escape the trauma that he, that he is obviously dealing with mm-hmm. right and i I think another one of the most effective scenes later in the film, like you you see hints of it in, in the film uh, he he lost his parents. And now he lives with his with his brother, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think the film—I think one thing that I do think the film is smart about is that it doesn't hit you over the head with how he lost his parents, um, or what the, his relationship with is with his brother. Because mm-hmm. usually those type of things are kind of like 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 right at the top of the movie, like mm-hmm. oh, him and his brother—they they hate each other. They're mm-hmm. always arguing. Nothing like no you, you it it slowly dulls out what their relationship is what happened to the to the parents mm-hmm. um and one of the ways that you learned about what happened to the to his mom specifically is that he Milo oftentimes in the film is caught staring at a door mm-hmm. in their apartment um and what you learn is that behind that door is their mother's room, mm-hmm. was their mother's room, but which was also, you know, the place where they found their mother. Yes. And I think the scene where he has to deal with finding his mother in there is a very effective scene. Um, and this film that then tells you exactly how Milo it does you're seeing in real time how he processed how he's processed dealing with the loss of his mother but the film kind of like doles out little tippets about how his brother dealt with it right um so much so that by the end of the film you realize why the brother never leaves the couch. Right. He never leaves that couch. He uh, seemingly never leaves the house. Definitely doesn't leave the house. Definitely doesn't Dude. leave the house. Um, and it, And because he's dealing with his own trauma of not only their mother passing, but you learn that he actually— went off and did service, mm-hmm. um, was a serviceman overseas and saw some things. And it's and it's got him feeling a certain way. You don't feel sorry for him. It's just an explanation. Right. And that is one of the smarter things that this movie does. Mm-hmm. And then the whole talk of how Milo processes vampire lore and it's tries to break it down and tries to make realistic sense of it is is interesting, right? And how that um, leads to him forming this bond with Sophie, who obviously is going through some trauma of her own, is interesting. It's all very interesting setup, but it just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't stick the landing, mm-hmm. but nor is, it is, it, it tries so hard to be meditative about vampirism and about the trauma that they're going through that it never has anything really to say about it. Right. Um, And that is the shame of it. And the performances, I actually don't mind Chloe's performance. I actually think she's fine in it. Milo, I don't think he's bad. I just think that he was directed to be one way and thus is that way throughout the film. Mm-hmm. And there's only glimpses where you see shades of a of a different tone from him, mm-hmm. but those are so fleeting that you miss them. Yeah. You know, you if you yeah. look away you'll miss them and then you're just left with basically a blank slate throughout the entire film. Yeah. Um, and I think that, I think that is a shame. Uh, but even as I say that, now that I think about it, when you do start to notice a glimpse of the change is near where the end when Milo's story does take a bit of a flip, right? Because he's conjured up uh, a plan. Say you will. And I won't spoil that part for you because, um, and 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 his visage does change a little bit his tone does change a little bit um and then when you learn why at the very end of the film that's a, i have to say that was a little bit of like ah okay okay yeah. and, and, and for me not enough for me to like say that i love this film that mm-hmm. i like the film but it was enough for me to say that if you're a film buff Mm-hmm. who likes film or even likes vampire or horror movies this could be part of this could be part of that conversation it's worth it's there's enough in here for you to to watch this and add this to your to the conversation i think it 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 adds some interesting things to the conversation does it but th- will it be a will it be a satisfying meal no Right. But it it's a, it's an, it's a nice appetizer. I think where I kind of disagree I don't know what it really adds. Like I was waiting for some great revelation. Well, I think it does. I think it does. I think it is it's interesting to see I could, I could one hundred percent believe that there is someone out there who has fallen into the same trap, s- s- who who slips sl- slides into such a fantasy s- state that it takes over their basically their whole life. No, I I I one hundred percent believe that it's realistic. What I don't get with this film is a follow through to that. Like like this sort, of, like follow it to not even follow it through its natural conclusion, but actually dig down into it. Like like there's a moment. Okay. Yeah. There's actually a moment. Again, and and much like you, I, I do respect this film enough. That I won't spoil it because I will say if you decide to watch this film, it's best if you don't know anything about it. Yes, that's true. But there is a moment in the film and, you know, the moment I'm talking about where I thought they were really going to commit to. Just how sick he is. I did, too. Yes. And they chicken. They blink. The film blinks. I I, I don't know if the, I, if we're thinking of the same scene. I don't know if that they, they blinked. on the beach oh, at, on, the, at, on the beach right on yes, Coney yes. Island. I don't think they blinked. I one hundred because I do think if you to because I really think there's really one end for this character. See see and and there is you know frankly collateral damage when it, with a character like this. Yeah, but but I actually think that 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 beach scene that you're talking about, Talking about, I don't think that's a blink. I actually think what that is is a callback. It's a callback to the beginning of the film. Because there's a moment in the beginning of the film where he is at his therapist, or I I think more or less. Yes, and you said right races. I've been thinking about it, but I haven't actually been doing it. You're like, yeah, I I I might think it, but I don't do it. Yeah. I think this is a callback to that. And I and I and I thought that was realistic. Didn't like it. Okay. I thought everything, I, th- I think, I thought everything, I think things ended too clean. That was the other thing. Like, it was a very clean ending. Oh, I didn't. Like, like I think I mean, it was this a... very sort of black and white morality, and bad people were punished, and good people got away. You, you know, you didn't get the sense... That there that there was any sort of blowback that was going to happen, or again, any collateral damage. Like, I think for a film like this to really that really wants to examine trauma, and really want to examine a a person who is as damaged as this film sets this character up to be, it has to be some tragedy. I think I, I think this is tragedy. I don't think it... it I, think for, I, I think what you're for saying about the tragedy. Something but... has to happen to someone that you care about. Okay, yeah. And yeah. I don't think anything happens to anyone that we care about. That if from from the way you've set up this film, again, with this amazingly electric first scene, this is a character... That frankly should not be around people. Yeah, cause th- yeah, yeah. Cause there is the one scene where something ha- you, you're kind of rooting for him, but then something else happens, right. and you're like, right. right. And that, even that, would have been commentary. And I've I've, he- I've heard writers talk about this, where where you know part of the issue with vampires as this cultural image, certainly post twilight is that we've romanticized them. Like there's always been an element of romanticizing vampires, but you know, kind of post twilight they've, you know, again, pardon the pun kind of been defanged. Yeah. Yeah. And these are predators Mm -hmm. and we are their prey Mm -hmm. so that, there should always be a moment, and, and again, you know, and this film, movie lives there. Right. These films that do this spectacularly well. You know, I always think about you, you know, let the right one in, where it's so subversive mm-hmm. that you realize you're you've been rooting for a monster. And it's just not, it's 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 not, it it just doesn't gel. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, I'm not going to die on a hill of, of it, but... No, 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 I I, well a, absolutely. I, I absolutely wouldn't die on a hill, but... But would you recommend people see The Transfiguration? I would not. Wow. I would not recommend okay. people see this film. I, I think this is a film that if your reaction is like mine, it's going to make you want to go... Because I when you said worthy addition, what I really wanted to say... Would you rather someone watch this for the first time or watch near dark for the 15th time? Yeah, I mean, okay. Th- that's, but look, not fair, but I get, I, get I, you. I mean, is, why is that not fair? But, I didn't say watch this for the first time or watch near dark for the first time. I'm saying you have watched near dark 14 times. Mm-hmm. Would you rather watch this for the first time? Or watch Near Dark for the fifteenth time. I think I think that's a fair question. Okay, and and I th- that it's a fair question, and I think that if you are a fan of a film like Near Dark, and and you have seen it fourteen times, fourteen times, then watch the Transfiguration. I would not make that recommendation. I th- I think it adds a little something to that conversation. Now that being said, mm-hmm. that's if you are a fan of. Vampirism, or you're just a a horror film. Sure. Like, addict. Sure. Or or historian. Right. So, you want to see them all. Right. See the transfiguration and then write to us and whether or not this is actually a horror movie. Um, But overall, Mm -hmm. I do think I have to side with you. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's necessarily a rewarding time to go just to recommend people to see the Transfiguration. Yeah, I want to. I really do want to. Me so too. I just can't. Look again. This is this is something that is right. You know, that's right up my alley. Yeah. like everything about this film is the type of film that I love. Oh, yeah, and it's a good looking movie. Considering right. it's independent, it's a good looking movie. Right, and I really what well, you know. It's 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 fairly short film. It's I think it's an hour and thirty seven minutes. That's it. And I really was like a half hour in, like I don't think I'm really in. Well, you know what it was. I kept waiting for a flip, or, or a revelation, or a reversal, or or mm-hmm. or or something that that you know retroactively makes you.
1: You know, Re- reevaluate, re-evaluate yeah, everything, everything in it
0: so that you know, oh, so when I watch this a second time, so now you go. now I'm picking it up and yeah, yeah. And it's no. just not it's not there. There, you get to the end and you realize it's you know, it's what you see is what you get. Fair. So fair. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our review of the transfiguration here in Butober. Before we tell you what we're going to be watching and reviewing next week, I invite you to Send all of your thoughts. All of your desires. Okay, don't all of your Don't send us all of your desires. Boundaries. All of your desires. <laughs> send your desires to men. Send them to me ShowMission at gmail.com. dot Uh, (laughs) M-I-S-S-I-O-N oh Um, (laughs) see see that's why we can't have nice things (laughs) you can also follow us on all your favorite social media ladies and gentlemen you can hit us up at um, (laughs) I'm looking at the chat Jason is like desires l o l anyway um yes uh on all the social media at me show mission that is facebook twitter Instagram at me show mission you can follow us like and follow us you can subscribe to the me show mission on youtube at me show mission, hit the subscribe bell and hit that bell so you're notified when we load up any of our new films when or you're notified when we're going live, notify where our very uh, and seemingly uh, adored shorties go up on, on uh, Michelle mission on YouTube Uh So hit that bell and subscribe. All right. Uh, And you can also, if you're on Facebook, you can join our Facebook group, Michelle Mission, where our missionaries get in and they tell us all the latest things that are going on in black cinema and black Hollywood. And me and Vince jump in there and have a good time talking with with everybody. It's mostly Vincent. I'll be honest because I am busy editing stuff. But Vincent is right there having a good time with everyone. He comes back and tells me, he's like, yo, you should have been there. I'm sorry. All right. The Michelle Mission also streams live every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Live from Yunk Chunk, Philadelphia's premier video podcast palace. Go to TheVideoContentFactory.com so that you can book your time here in one of their fabulous studios. They've got a bunch of studios on the other side of this camera, ladies and gentlemen, that you would not believe. and They can all be yours for the renting at TheVideoContentFactory.com. Get your butt down to junk junk in Maniunk. All right. Um, The Michelle mission is also a proud member of the podglomerate, thepodglomerate.com. They make podcasts work. And I'm going to take a a, a quick moment to just send a very special shout out to our associate producer out there in California. Mo Poplar. What's up, Mo? What's up, Mo? I'm giving you Him a shout out, ladies and gentlemen, because behind the scenes, Mo is always working very hard to come up with different concepts, different ideas for the Michelle mission, um, develop side projects, new documentary series um, that we're going to be doing with Mo, getting us out there into bigger and better audience, and he works tirelessly at it. So I want to yes, show our appreciation to Mo. Yeah. Thank you, Mo. Yeah. Along those lines, it didn't come up. I meant to talk about it, talk about Black Vampires. You know, I meant to say um, Rodney Barnes, mm. the the writer and comic writer, has a um, graphic novel that came out in the past few weeks, a Blackula graphic. It's like a direct sequel to the first film, Blackula. Nice. It is bananas good. Really? Yeah. Roddy Barnes also has an ongoing comic book series called, appropriately enough, Philadelphia, set here in Philadelphia about black vampires. That is really, really good. I have the first trade, first trade of that, yeah, and it was very good. I, I, I need to to catch up on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, that, so that I'm assuming it has been optioned. I would think so would by have, now. It's been around it's been for a minute, but it's like, you know, I'm waiting for the great black vampire film since blade. And I think I'm going to put my chips on Philadelphia. Philadelphia, Okay. Or my God, give them blackula, like give them blackula and let him make black. Well, we've talked about black. Yeah. Yeah, so. Redone, you know what I mean? So, um, all right. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen. um, Next week, here on the Michel Mission, it is my turn Mm -hmm. to bring you a film. And it is also features vampires. All right, more vampires. And it also features vampires in a lovely urban hamlet. Urban vampires. Doing battle with urbanites go to the bodega and get some blood. Yes. In a little film that I call because it's titled this way. <laughs> I call it that because we all call it that. Vampires versus the Bronx. What's that movie about? Well, there's these vampires. Okay. And they are fighting the Bronx. The entire Bronx. The entire Bronx. That's they, gonna they be are called, taking it on. That's gonna be quite a brawl. Quite a Donny Brook. Quite it's gonna be a hullabaloo. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Join us for the Barn Burner that is known <laughs> as Vampires versus the Bronx next week here in Bootover on the Show Mission. Until then. He's Vincent, I'm Len, and in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. Boo! The Michelle Mission is produced by Len Webb and Vincent Williams and edited by Len Webb with co-production by Mo Poplar, music by Alexa Gold, and filmed at the Video Content Factory. The Michel Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network.